Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. You know, when it comes to the world, I can often divide the world in various ways, but one way that I can generally divide the world is to divide it on the basis of those people who believe that there is a God and those people who do not believe that there is a God. In both cases, there is a fear of death between both people, but they fear death for different reasons. For those who do not believe that there is a God, in general they are afraid of death, they are afraid of their lives coming to an end, because they do not believe that there will be a life afterwards, and they probably are enjoying something about the life that they have now, And so for that to come to an end and have nothing afterwards can be quite frightening. But in the face of the reality that they will eventually die, what they will do is they will look for ways of trying to live on forever, even though they do not really believe that they will live on forever as a person, as an individual, when they do physically die. And they try various ways to do this. Some people try to live on in their children. Some people try to live on in the monuments that they create. Some people try to live on in the books that they write or in the contributions that they make to society. They try to find some way to be remembered, and they believe that as long as they are remembered, that perhaps then they will be able to overcome the fear of death because they will always be remembered. So when it comes to somebody who does not believe in a god, they will be afraid of death only because they are enjoying the life that they have, And so they will often overcome that fear by trying to find a way to obtain a sense of eternal life, even though in general they never will. For those people who do believe that there is a God, then they will also often be afraid of death, but they'll be afraid of death for other reasons. Some of them certainly struggle with the issues of dying without making any significant contributions to humanity, or dying without being remembered, things like that. They will struggle with those things, certainly, just as anybody else would, who does not believe that there is a God. However, there are other opportunities to be afraid of death when you do believe that there is a God. And the most common fear that people have is that they won't see their God, or that they won't truly live forever in his kingdom and in his heaven. And probably the most common reason why people are afraid why people are uncertain as to whether or not they are going to be with their God is because they don't really know their God. Now, people don't normally want to admit that, but I have found personally, as I've spoken to many people, I have found that they are somewhat afraid of what the next life will bring, of what it will be like, of what it will be like in heaven, about what it will be like with the Lord, because they really don't know him. They don't know who he is. They don't know what he thinks. They don't know what he has to say, probably because they've never heard anything from him. I mean, think about that for a moment. If you believe that you are a child of your God, and yet he has never shared anything with you at all, then what confidence would you have that he even knows who you are? 
And so when you go up to heaven after you physically die and you approach him, is he going to say that he knows you? Will he? What confidence do you truly have? What confidence do you have? What makes you think that he knows you? How would you know? How would you have any confidence in that, especially if he's never said anything to you, if he's never spoken to you, if he's never revealed anything to you, if he's never done a miracle or given you a sign or any wonder or anything like that, if he's never done anything to show himself, to show that he is involved in your life, then what confidence do you truly have that you have a place in his kingdom? You should perhaps be afraid of death. There might be a reason for that. Now, I don't believe that a person should fear that because they can rest in the truth that has been revealed by the Lord, and that is that he is going to save you on the basis of what he has done, and you are trusting and believing in what he has done. However, in light of that, there are many people who are still afraid of God. They are afraid of dying. They are afraid of their life coming to an end not just because they're enjoying the life that they have or because they feel that they are going to leave this earth before completing the works that they believe they should do in order to be remembered here. That's not what I mean. What I mean is is that there are many people who are truly Christians, however, they're still terrified of entering into heaven. They're terrified of dying just because they don't know if they truly have a place there in the kingdom of heaven. And there are many other reasons why people believe that they don't have a place in the kingdom of heaven, not just because they've never heard from the Lord. There are other reasons. For example, if they believe, if they have been told and they believe that their God actually holds their sins against them, well, then they also would have some additional reasons for concern. You may have some serious reasons to be afraid. I mean, if your God still holds your sins against you, then when you see him, you're not necessarily going to be as perfect as you thought you were. You're not going to be as holy as you thought you were. If he holds your sins against you, then what makes you think that you're actually going to make it into heaven? And there are a lot of ways that people express this belief. For example, have you ever heard anybody who has said something like, I think I'm going to just barely squeak my way into heaven? Or things like, I don't know what he's going to have me do there in heaven, but being a janitor would be just fine. As long as I can make it in there, then that'll be okay. What they're saying is that they do not have that much confidence that they will make it into heaven, and that somehow the Lord is going to reduce his standards in some way so that he will allow some people who are not quite as holy as others, he's going to allow those people in there for whatever reason it may be. He's going to lower his standards lower the criteria a little bit just so that he can increase the population and so that he can get some people in there to do some things that the real, true, holy people shouldn't have to be bothered with anyway. That's what people are thinking. A lot of people really feel that way. It's amazing to see how many people actually feel that way. I have found a lot of people who really believe that they are some kind of second-class Christian because of the sin that they struggle with in their lives. And I understand why. It's because people teach that. A lot of pastors, they really do teach that. And because of that, there's this sense of fear, there's this sense of concern, there's this sense of wonder as to whether or not they will truly make their way into heaven. Have you ever heard anybody say things like, you know, if you sin too much, then God may just have to cut you loose? Oh yeah, I've heard that a lot. I've heard a lot of people say that. They don't generally say it that directly, they say it indirectly, they just sort of hint at it. Hint at it in a way that it normally takes you from Sunday morning until maybe Tuesday before it finally hits you and you start thinking, my goodness, I better start getting some more sin out of my life because 
if I have too much of it in my life, then he might need to cut me loose because I'm sinning willfully too much and I may not have a place in the kingdom of heaven because he's just not going to want me there anymore. And so through this, what happens? Well, people become afraid, and legitimately so. You should be afraid. You should wonder. You should be terrified. And there are so many Christians who actually live this way. I mean, they really do. If you don't believe me, you need to get out there a little bit more often and visit with a few more churches because there are lots of churches who teach that. They teach things like, we don't know for sure if anyone is ever going to make it into heaven. We'll never know until the day comes and the day that we die. It's only then that we're going to truly know if we believe the right things and if we have gotten ourselves cleaned up enough in order to be presentable to our Lord, at least to some degree to whatever is required in order to get in there, that he is going to have to separate the sheep from the goats, and he's going to have to separate those who sinned too much from those who did not sin too much, and he will make a division, and who knows who's really going to be in those categories. There are a lot of people who do actually teach that, a lot of people who really believe that, that there is this uncertainty, and so because of that, you should be afraid. But the only way that this fear can exist... There's only one way that this fear can exist in the mind of anyone. And that is if you can get somebody to believe that their sins are being held against them. That's the only way that this can exist. If there is a sin that should be held against you, then somebody is going to have to condemn you for that sin. There's going to have to be some condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's going to have to be some, somewhere in there, That is the only way that a person can truly be afraid of entering into physical death and being confronted with the living God. The only way that this can happen is if somebody will condemn them. And that has been the role of the devil. That has been the role of the devil for the longest time. For those who believe in a God, the devil has been involved in their lives for the longest time to condemn them, to make them feel condemned. I mean, he can't really do that with people who don't believe in a God, because if they don't believe in a God, then who are they going to be accountable to? Who are they going to be condemned before? What would be the point or the value of condemning them? They don't care about anything anyway. Why would they care? There's no reason for them to care. No one's going to judge them in an eternal sense, and so what's the point? It's only for the religious people that condemnation is useful. And so the devil uses condemnation with religious people Because he knows that if he condemns them, if he makes them feel as though the Lord holds their sins against them, if he can get that into their minds, if he can get them to believe that, if he can condemn them enough, then they will be afraid of God. They will be afraid of ending their life here. They will be afraid of that. And they will be afraid of entering into his presence in the kingdom of heaven. And in addition to that, between now and then... They're not going to turn to the Lord for what he has for them in terms of his love or in terms of his acceptance. They can never receive that. They can never receive his forgiveness, not truly, because they will always believe that they will have to consistently try to obtain forgiveness, consistently try to obtain a right standing with their God, and their religion provides them with mechanisms to do that. And so through the forgiveness mechanisms that are available within various religions, People are held in bondage to the fear of death because they will never be able to truly be at peace knowing that their God no longer holds their sins against them. 
It happens every week. It happens every day. It happens all the time. How do I know that? Because people are consistently still trying to get forgiveness from God. They're still asking him for something that they've already got. That's how I know that. And so that's how I know that they are still afraid. They have to be afraid because they can only trust in what they believe they have achieved or obtained up to the current point in time. But give it another day or two and they're going to need some more forgiveness in their life. And when are they going to get that? Well, they had better get busy. They had better keep some short accounts with God. They had better go to church a little bit more often. They better go before the altar and lay their offering of their apology. They don't want to go down there and set their pets on fire. They don't want to do that. So they need to go and apologize. That's what they need to do. And and if they don't sin between that point and the point of time when they actually physically die, then maybe they got a pretty good chance of actually making it into heaven. But other than that, they should be afraid. They should live in terror. They should walk on their daily lives living in fear and terror as to whether or not they'll even get into heaven at all. That's what many people believe, and that's how many people live. But I'm here to tell you that if you live that way, if that's what you believe, there's only one way that you can possibly believe that, and that's if you believe that your God holds your sins against you, and that will be believed if someone is condemning you for your sin. And that's what the devil does. That's what he's here for. He's here to condemn you. He is here to condemn you, to push you to the brink, to push you to the limit of finally, hopefully, someday, coming to the point of recognizing that you have no hope outside of the mercy of God. I pray that one day, if this is what you believe, I pray that one day you will finally come to the end of yourself and trust in what Jesus has already done for you. But you know, the devil is not alone in this. You have other people in your life who will do this for you. The devil doesn't have to be the only one to condemn you. Do you know of anyone who every once in a while tells you about some sin in your life that they just don't like, that they don't approve of? Anyone, for that matter? Maybe a spouse or a child or a parent? Somebody who reminds you of the sin that you've got in your life and how much you should feel condemned and how afraid you should be of God because you're not overcoming that sin? A lot of people struggle with that, with the relationships that they do have. And if not them, how about their pastors? How about their ministers or their priests? They're there for that reason. They're there, available for you to make you feel condemned. And how many times do you feel condemned when you listen to these people? Happens all the time. If you feel any sense of condemnation from any of these people, the people who are close to you from a family point of view or from a friendship point of view, or if you feel condemned in any way, from those people who are religious authorities over your life, who are pastors or priests or ministers, in any way whatsoever, in any capacity, if you feel that they are condemning you in any way, then they are not servants of God. They are servants of the devil to make you feel more afraid, to make you feel frightened. And they don't always do this because they're trying to serve the devil. They do this because they sincerely believe that if they can make you feel afraid enough that maybe you'll stop sinning. They believe that. I think it's a lie, but they believe that. I think it's a lie to believe that that's going to change anybody's life. But a lot of people do believe it'll work, and so they keep trying it. But the end result is always the same. You are to be afraid of your God. And if you are afraid of your God, then you'll be afraid of death. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood... He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death 
were subject to slavery all their lives. What was their slavery? Their slavery was simple. It was try to get all the sin out of your life. That's being a slave. To try to live your life, to try to live a life of getting all of the sin out of your life so that you don't have to be afraid of going before the Lord when you die is a life of slavery. It is a life of slavery to sin. It is a life of slavery to the devil who has the power of death. You will be a slave. And if you don't know what I mean by a slave, this is what I mean. I mean you're going to work for nothing. That's what I mean. You're going to be a slave who works for nothing. You're never going to get all the sin out of your life, and so you're going to accomplish nothing. You're going to benefit nothing. And while you may be able to get some sins out of your life by getting your flesh under control to a certain extent, certainly that may happen, but trust me, you'll always be tempted by those things. The temptations will never go away. And 30 years from now or 40 years from now or 10 years from now or 2 years from now, it doesn't matter how long it is, you'll be just as susceptible to commit that sin then as you are now. Because your heart is still wicked and evil. Your heart, the condition of your heart, the condition of your flesh is going to be there until you physically die. You will never have any hope. You will be a slave. You will live your life as a slave to sin and to the devil. You will never get your flesh cleaned up enough so that you can live a life of peace and rest and trust on the basis of being a son, a son of God or a daughter of God, a child of God. You will never, ever, ever know what that is. You will never be able to experience that because of the condemnation that you truly live under. You have been set free. You have been set free from the fear of death. You have been set free from all of your sins because Jesus died for your sins. He died for your sins so that he doesn't hold your sins against you anymore. And so you're free from all of this. The only way that you can be put back in bondage is if you don't believe that. That's the only way. But he did that. The Lord Jesus did that for you so that he could take away the power of the devil. He took away the power of the devil because the devil can no longer condemn you for anything. How could he have condemned you? He condemned you because there was a standard of right and wrong, because there was a standard of law. There were laws that were available. The Lord gave laws in the Garden of Eden, and the devil used those. The Lord gave laws to the children of Israel, and the devil used those. The Lord gave some more laws through the Lord Jesus as he was conducting his ministry, and the devil used those too. But when Jesus died for your sins, he died for all sin. He took away the law because there is no more penalty that could be executed against you. And so the law no longer has any value. It no longer has any place in your life because without penalty, there is no law. There's only some heavenly suggestion at best. But there is no law. And so if you disobey, there's no condemnation. So the power of the devil was the law. The power of the devil was the law so that he can condemn you for all the sins that you've got in your life so that he can make you afraid. And if you are afraid, then you cannot be at peace. You cannot trust and rely on the love of God. You cannot enter into his rest. You never will because you're going to have to find some way to, again, get all of the sin out of your life. And so, again, in verse 14, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, 
that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So when he died for your sins, he died for you. He partook of your flesh. He partook in the sense that he lived a life just as we live a life. And he gave his life for us so that through that he would be able to render powerless the devil, him who had the power of death. First of all, because he can set us free from the condemnation that we would otherwise receive after we physically die. He sets us free in the sense that he can provide us with a place in the kingdom of heaven. That is true. But he can also set you free right now. He sets you free today. He does not just set you free so that you can die in this world, physically die, and then be in the kingdom of heaven. That's not the only freedom that you have. He has set you free through his death so that you can be free right now, so that you can be free today. If you are free today, then you will have no reason to be afraid of the physical death that is approaching. You see, being set free from the devil, from the power of the devil, by being set free from all of your sins, so that you don't have to be afraid of entering into the kingdom of heaven is one thing. But to be free to the extent where you can live your life, the remainder of your life, being at rest and not being terrified of what is to come, That's something else. And trust me, he didn't just die for you so you can get into heaven. That's not the only reason why he died. He did not die so that he can get you out of hell and into heaven. That's not the only reason why he died. He died so that he can get out of heaven and into you. That's why he died. He died so that he can get out of heaven and into you so that you can begin to know who he is so that he can share himself with you right now, so that you can experience peace and rest right now. That's why he did that. And if you will only trust and believe in this truth, then you would truly experience the benefit of his forgiveness. Continuing in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16, For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Now, I realize that most of you who are listening to this are not direct descendants of Abraham. That's not the point. The point is, in saying this, is that if you will believe as Abraham did believe, he believed just because God said it, then you are a child of Abraham according to the same model of belief, that if you will believe the truth, then you are recognized as a descendant of Abraham. Continuing into verse 17, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He has made propitiation. Now, it's important to recognize this, and that is that this word propitiation is not atonement. That's not what that word is. That's not how that word is to be translated. Atonement is a completely different concept. Atonement is a covering over sins. Propitiation is a complete taking away of sins. Do not underestimate the significance of this word, that the sin issue has been completely taken away, completely, totally resolved, taken away, done, finished, 
past, present, future, all sin, period. So if anybody, anybody, at any time, in any way whatsoever, leads you to believe that your sin in your life is an issue between you and God, they don't have a clue. They have no concept of the reality of the gospel, or the reality of their God, or the reality of what Christ Jesus has done for you. They have no idea, no clue, if they suggest anything like that at all, this person has been totally, absolutely deceived in all ways whatsoever. If they can't get past this fundamental fact, this person is at best a baby in Christ who's sucking on a bottle of milk who does not know what Jesus has done for them. And so don't waste your time with these people unless you believe you might be able to reach out to them and get them to understand that the Lord doesn't hold their sins against them anymore, let alone anybody else that they're talking to. You need to drive the stake in the ground and say, this is it. This is what you're going to believe. This is what I'm going to believe because it's true, because it's done once and for all so that we can be set free from being slaves. Slaves be set free to be sons, to be children of God, so that we can live out of the abundance of what has been given to us. We can live in freedom, finally. We can be free from the burdens of sin. We can be free from the burdens of the law. We can be free from the entire world, all of it, the principles of good and evil and all that people are consumed with in order to try to become better people, which they definitely will never become. We can be set free from all of that to finally stop. It will come to an end, finally, at some point, so that we can experience a relationship with our God on the basis of what he's done and on the basis of what he has. To be set free from that so we can now engage the world out of the abundance and with the abundance of what we have in Christ Jesus. That is a completely different way of life. And there is no way to even conceive of what it is. No way to understand what this is until you recognize that the sin issue has completely come to an end because of our merciful and faithful High Priest in all things pertaining to our God, the Lord Jesus. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net